You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So glad you're with us today as we're kicking off a brand new series called What's Good? Would you turn to somebody and say, hey, what's good? What's good? For those of you who don't speak like hip lingo, what's good is like the new way of saying what's up, okay? I know these things because I have a teenager at home, and I may have Googled it on the Urban Dictionary. I'm just saying. <laughs> what's good? But the subtitle to this series title is Required Living to Heal a Broken World. You know, sometimes when I look around at the world and I ask the question, what's good, the answer is depressing at times. I was reading an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day, and it was talking about how the economy is beginning to recover from COVID, and I was starting to feel really positive. And then at the end of the article, it was like economists are forecasting like a, a crisis in, in the housing market because the national moratorium on evictions is about to expire. And like the article ended like really depressing. Come on, how do you ever have this experience? You put it on the news and you feel depressed. Like our world, it seems like it's more broken than ever before. We're, rec- we're recovering from a global pandemic. It-, it seems like the divide between rich and poor has never been greater. Over 40 million victims of, of human trafficking every year. And then, of course, here at home in the U.S., we have our own problems, right? There's racial and political division. Uh, where there's a surge in gun violence right now and, and mass shootings and crime is on the rise. How many of you are like, okay, thank you, Pastor Jeremy. I'm depressed now. <laughs> I'm not going to depress you. Hang in there because I really think there's another way of looking at all this. Yes, our world may seem more broken than ever before, but at the same time, there's never been more opportunity for God's people to do good. Come on. How many of you know when the world gets darker, the light only shines brighter? Can I get an amen, somebody? And that's what we're going to talk about in this series. Come on, God's desire has always been to bless the world through his people. If you go back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 12, when God first called Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bring you into a promised land. And in you, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. God wants to bless his people. God wants to bless the world through his people. And so the question is, where do we start? You ever have this feeling like, okay, I want to make a difference in the world, but the problems of the world seem so big, and I feel so small. Like, how can I make a difference? Anybody ever feel that way? You ever ask that question? Like, where, where do we even start? Well, guess what? We're going to tackle that question in this series. I want to show you a scripture that speaks to that very question. It comes from the book of Micah. Now, the prophet Micah, he lived during really dark times. During the life of, of the prophet Micah, the people of God, the Israelites, they were divided. They weren't getting along. There was two kingdoms, um, Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and neither of these kingdoms were living faithfully to the covenant they had with God. In fact, there had been almost 500 years that the Israelites had been in rebellion. Micah tells us that the political leadership and, and the priesthood, the, uh, they, the prophets, they were, they were corrupt. There was bribery. There was oppression of the, the poor. The wealthy were getting rich uh, by, by theft and by greed. And Micah shows up and he begins prophesying the coming judgment of God. And then we get to chapter 6. And God begins to make a case against his own people for their unfaithfulness. It's literally like a courtroom drama. God begins to prosecute the people of Israel. He says, if you look at the covenant, you have not been faithful. And there's this moment where where the people of God kind of collectively say, okay, what do we need to do to make this thing right? 
Like rhetorically, there's this question of like, what do we have to do? Do we need to make a bunch of sacrifices? Like, what do we need to do to make things right? And, and God speaks to the people through Micah. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, uh, uh, verse eight a famous portion of scripture, a famous scripture. Let's look at it together. Here's what he says. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. Come on, everybody say, what's good? Come on, church online, type it in the comments. What's good? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And so there's this collective question like where, where do we start? What does God expect of us? And God says through the prophet Micah, I want you to connect your spirituality. I want you to connect your religion with the way you live and with the way you treat people who are made in my image. And so what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to look at these three ideas, three core ideas to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And today I want to talk to you about what it means to, to act justly, to do Justice. Did you know that there are over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible about justice for the poor, for the widow, for the orphan, for the immigrant? Like this is obviously something that God cares about. Whether or not you came from a church tradition where this was emphasized, over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible about this very concept. Now, most of these verses are found in the Old Testament. Let me remind you of what was happening in the context of the Old Testament. God had taken the Israelites out of Egypt. If you remember this, there were slaves in Egypt, and he was making them into his people. He was teaching them how to relate to him, how to love him, how to have a relationship with him, and how to relate to the world, how to live towards the world. Let me show you a scripture where God is teaching his people how to live. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. Look at this. Learn to do good. Seek Justice, everybody say justice. Help the oppressed, defend the cause of the orphans, fight for the rights of widows. God is showing his people how to live. And he's like, I want you to treat others well. I want you to treat others right. I want you to do justice. Now the word justice is translated from the Hebrew word mishpat, which is also used over 200 times in the Bible. Mishpat describes right social relationships between human beings based on God's view of what is appropriate. Based on God's view, not based on what prevailing culture says, okay, not based on our opinions, but how human beings should treat each other based on God's view of what's appropriate. So biblical justice has to do with treating people equitably, no matter who you are, no matter your race, no matter your socioeconomic status, how much money you have. Come on, we all know that the famous image of justice is justice is blind, right? Justice has a, a blindfold because it's supposed to treat people fairly, treat people evenly. So biblical justice has to do with, with um, giving justice, like maybe um, treating a crime as it should be treated, but also doing justice, treating people justly, treating people the way God would treat people, doing justice to, to others. And so let me give you two theological thoughts about injustice. You can put these in your notes today. Number one, two theological thoughts about injustice. Here's the first one. The root cause of injustice is sin. The root cause of injustice is sin. Not ignorance, not being raised in a really bad home. Those things will only make the problem worse. But the root cause, as we look at Scripture, in a topic that God very much cares about, he says the root cause of injustice is, is sin. See, we know that God created the world to be good. If you've, read, if you've read Genesis, right, God created the world and, and, he, and he created it to be whole and to be good and to be perfect. And we know something went wrong. It's called the curse of sin, right? Humanity rebelled against God and the world is now in this fallen condition. And not only was humanity's relationship with God broken 
by sin. But what we see in Scripture is that human beings' relationship with each other horizontally is broken by sin, not just vertically. vertically. So in Genesis chapter 1, God creates the world, and it's perfect, and it's good. By Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve have sinned. By Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve's kids are killing each other. Cain kills Abel, and siblings have been wanting to kill each other ever since. Come on, how many of you had brothers and sisters? Can I get an amen? Are you with me? This is what we see. Like the world is in this fallen condition. And so the root of injustice is actually sin. Here's the second idea, second theological idea about injustice. Number two, fundamentally injustice is about the abuse of power. That's something we see all throughout scripture. It's about the abuse of power. At its core, it's people misusing power. All right, let me give you an example from the animal kingdom, okay, to help you out here. Um, last year, uh, my family and I, we went to Cape Cod for a couple days while we were on vacation. We did a couple beach days in Cape Cod, and we went out to the Cape Cod National Seashore. If you've ever been there before, really beautiful, preserved, like pristine beaches. And one of the cool things at the Cape Cod National Seashore is you can see seals. The water there, the environment's gotten very, very healthy because it's protected. And so the seal population has exploded, and you can see seals. But one of the things that we learned when we went to Cape Cod is where there be seals, there be great white sharks. <laughs> Cape Cod has also become the great white capital of America. And yeah, when you go to the beach there, there are all these signs posted like warning you, like just letting you know there are great white sharks hunting seals in the water like right here. How many of you know that kind of ruins the beach experience just a little bit when you have to walk past like a great white shark poster like sign at, at Cape Cod? So, you know, it's crazy to think that here's these little cute seals, kind of lovable, huggable seals that you just want to hug, you want to get in the water and swim with them. It's so sad to think about like a great white shark just like chomping into one of those suckers, you know, but that's what's happening. This is how the animal kingdom works, right? The, the, the great whites, they are like the top predators. We know how it works in the animal kingdom. The, the stronger animals prey on the weak. Here's the point. According to scripture, human beings are not supposed to behave that way. Human beings who are made in God's image are not supposed to treat each other like animals treat each other in, in, in the food chain. God has called his people to push back against that, to, 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 to push back against that, to live differently, to live, to live justly. So this is a picture of what we see happening in the world. And we see examples of people abusing power all the time. We see it happening with government officials all the time. We see it happening with, uh, think about uh, in the corporate world, business leaders, right? Um, people, dishonesty in business, or maybe CEOs taking like outrageous compensation while their people are struggling to make it. Um, it happens in the religious leadership. Think about scandals that have rocked the church. Uh, it, it happens sometimes in law enforcement. Does it mean that all these people in categories are bad? No, it just means that there's always going to be a temptation toward abusing power. Here's the idea, church, okay? Here's the idea. We have to understand this. Well, let me just show you an example from Scripture first. Um, here's what we see in Scripture. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. God says that often people are misusing their power, and I want you to care for the vulnerable. I want you to look for those who could be, could be weak and exploited. Here's the idea, church. You may not feel like you wield a lot of power, but how many of you know every one of us, we've been given a free will that we can use to do good? 
Every one of us, we have a will. We have a certain measure of influence, right? We, we have a certain measure of power that we can use for either right or wrong. And God is calling us to be those who do right in this world, those who right the wrongs of this world. So that's the second idea, that the root of injustice is an abuse of power. Now, I want to shift gears and give you a biblical a biblical understanding of injustice. There's a lot of talk going on about this in the world right now. There's a lot of talk happening in, even in our secular culture right now. We need to know what the Bible says, not what Pastor Jeremy thinks, not what the prevailing culture has to say, not what politics has to say. Let's look and see what Scripture has to say. Let's take a few, let's look at a few Scriptures here, okay? And there's over 2,000. I can only show you a few today. Number one, I'll put, put this in your notes today, justice is central to God's character. Justice is central to God's character. If you grew up in a church where you didn't talk about this, you're like, is this kind of an add-on to the gospel? Watch how central this is to God's character. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Justice is central to God's character. It's an aspect of who he is. Let me give you an example. When I meet people, when I introduce myself to people, as I meet a new person, I often find myself telling them, oh, I'm the lead pastor of Redemption Community Church. It just kind of happens naturally, right? Because why? That is core to my identity. Now, is that the most important thing about me? Is that the only thing about me? No, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a child of God. I understand that. But a very important aspect of who I am is I'm the lead pastor here. I want you to get this, church. When God introduces himself in the Bible, he quite often says, I'm a God of justice. I'm a father to the fatherless. I'm the defender of the weak. I'm the defender of the oppressed. Like, this is central to his heart. Like, this is who, who God is. So let me ask you this question. What ticks you off? Come on, let's have a fun moment in church today. Let's just have an honest moment where we can be real human beings. This is a keep it real church, by the way. If you're new to our church, just, just be yourself. Keep it real. What, what, what ticks you off? Is it when people cut you off in traffic? Come on, how many of you New Yorkers know how to use your horn? I was in some traffic in Manhattan yesterday. I was using my horn like a good New Yorker. When people cut you off, maybe when you see people being rude to a waitress or a waiter, does that ever get under your skin? Like you just want to go defend that waiter or waitress, you know, just get in a fight in a restaurant. Maybe it's when you see somebody cut a line. Oh, I hate when people think they're better than everybody else and they want to cut somebody in line. You know, I, I, I've been tempted to, to, I've almost gotten in some altercations before. Your pastor, pray for me. All right, I'm still being sanctified. I know some of y'all are more spiritual than me. I'm a work in progress. What gets under your skin? What, what is it that ticks you off? As human beings, we get upset when we see people doing terrible things to each other, treating people unjustly. Now, imagine how God feels when he sees human beings treating each other unjustly, when he sees people being trafficked for, for sex or people ripping each other off in, in, in business or people taking advantage of the poor or racial injustice, God says, like, this is core to my character and there's a righteous anger that comes out and we see it all throughout the scripture. Read the Old Testament, read the prophets because justice, righteousness is central to who God is. All right, number two, we're called to be a people of justice. We're called to be a, a people of of justice. We don't just serve a just God, but he's called us to be a people of justice. To be a person of justice is to enter into someone else's struggle. I want to give you that idea. That's a picture that we see in scripture. We're called to enter into someone else's struggle. I've told this story before, but it's been a couple years now, and we got a lot of new people in church, so if you've heard this before, bear with me. But I'm one of four boys. I have three brothers. 
And uh, my oldest brother's about eight years older than me, but so the, the younger three of us, like, were really close. We did everything together. And like most brothers, we fought like cats and dogs. But if anybody messed with us, we circled the wagons, you know? Like, we stuck up for each other. That's what brothers do. So there was one time I was, I, we had a patch of woods by my house. I was playing in the woods, and we had some rowdy boys. We, we had a kind of a tough neighborhood, and we had some, some guys who ganged up on me to pick a fight with me. And there was like three or four Three or four of them and one of me. Now, how many of you know that's unjust? That's not fair. Three or four guys plus one skinny white boy. That's not fair. That's an unjust, that's an unjust fight, right? So one of my friends did what any good friend would do. He ran back and got my brother. And my brother proceeded to do what any good brother would do. And he went to my dad's tool shed and got an axe and came into the woods swinging that axe in every direction. And kids were scattering, you know, like ants and dropping like flies. And nobody in the neighborhood ever messed with me again after that because they all knew that kid, Jeremy, his brother is an axe murderer. <laughs> but what did my brother do? My brother took my struggle and made it his struggle. Do you get the picture? He's like, you're my brother, so if they're messing with you, they're messing with me. Your struggle is, is my struggle. Come on, I want you to get this this morning, church. Being a person of justice, being a person of righteousness is to take on somebody else's struggle and say, I'm going to make it my struggle. You're not in this by yourself. I'm going to stick up for you. I'm going to defend you. I'm going to fight for you. That's what it is. It's to enter into someone else's struggle. Look at this. Look at our key verse again, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with, with your God. God says justice is it's important to me. It's central to my heart. It's part of my, my character. And so I want it to be important to, to you. You know, many of the breakthroughs in the area of of social justice throughout the centuries, especially in this Christian, especially in this country, have, have been the result of faithful Christians who were compelled uh, by God to act. I think about people like Harriet Tubman, who's known as the Black Moses, one of the leaders of the Underground Railroad who escaped from slavery in 1849. And this courageous woman made 19 trips back into the South to help deliver about 300 slaves. What a woman of God. And do you know she was famously known for hearing the voice of God? She, she never lost anybody, never lost any slave that she was helping find freedom because she heard the voice of God and she went where God led her to go. I think about people like, obviously, Dr. Martin Luther King, right, who we know had a dream, who impacted this country, but his dream was so rooted in, in his conviction as a Christian, as a man of God, as a pastor. He had a conviction of what was right based on God's word and the heart of God. I think about people like John Newton, uh, who is the author of the famous hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Do you know that John Newton, who penned the words to that hymn, he was actually formerly a British slave ship captain turned abolitionist. This man literally was the captain of slave ships. Can you imagine the atrocities that he saw as he was perpetrating the Atlantic slave trade? Okay? Later on, he, after he got out of being a ship captain, he, he invested in this industry. And then he became a Christian, and God began to work on his heart and changed his heart. And he got the heart of God, and he went from being a slave ship captain to a leading abolitionist, and he helped eradicate the Atlantic slave trade in Britain. Like, this is with the people of God, how God has used people over, over the centuries. So here's the question, like, what's it going to take for God to use us this way? Come on, in this broken world that we find ourselves in, in this broken culture, anybody feel that way? I get inspired when I hear stories like that. And the question for me is like, God, what is it, what's it going to take for you to use us that way? And let me just give you one idea today. Okay, here's a central idea. This is a really great place to start. I can't solve it all in one message, but let me give you this idea. Justice always requires compassion 
for the vulnerable. Come on, if you don't write anything else up to, down today, take a picture of that. Justice always requires compassion for the vulnerable. Let me show you another scripture, Zechariah chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Show compassion. God says there, there, are people, uh, there are people in culture who are at risk. There are, these are the vulnerable. In Old Testament times, in, this, in the agrarian culture that they lived in, the most vulnerable were the widow, the fatherless, the foreigner, the poor. They, these were the powerless people in biblical times. We might ask, who are the vulnerable among us today? Well, some, some of that list applies today. We might say the refugee. We might say the poor. We might say the unborn that are at the risk of being aborted. We might say the person at the risk of being trafficked. Come on, God says, I want you to have compassion. I want you to enter into their struggle. I want you to, to, to be a defender of the weak. I want you to be like me, a father to the fatherless. I want you to, I want you, if you do anything, I want you to lead with, with compassion. And how many of you know that compassion is more than just feeling bad? Just feeling bad, that, that's sentiment. That doesn't change anything. Do you know all throughout scripture, when we see Jesus heal people, it says Jesus had compassion and then it led to action. Quite often, and literally in the Greek, it means Jesus felt something in his gut. He had compassion and then he stepped out and did something and entered into somebody's need in their situation to bring them, them healing. And so compassion starts with me putting myself in someone else's place and trying to understand their perspective. How many of you know that's a really good place? You want to develop compassion, you got to be humble, you got to be teachable, and put yourself in someone else's position to try to understand their, their, their situation, their, their perspective. But so often, instead of being compassionate, we want to be right. That's the problem in the culture we're living in, and for Christians too, sadly, in the church. So often, instead of being people of compassion, we'd rather be right. We'd rather, we'd, we would rather, uh, rather win an argument with somebody on social media then be compassionate and try to understand somebody else's perspective. I, I, I know you guys are seeing this. I know I'm not the only one on Facebook these days. I, I have some Christian friends. I have a, a really good Christian friend that I can, I, I can think of. He's always on social media, and he's always arguing with somebody about something, and he's so sure he's right about everything. I love him. I'm not sure he's read a book since he finished college. I'm not sure he's met somebody who actually thinks differently than him, but he's pretty sure as a Christian, his job is to make sure everybody understands that he's right about everything. How many of you know that you can be right about everything and lose people? You can be right and, and lose a relationship. You can be right and lose influence. You can be right and lose your testimony for Jesus. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? We're not called to be right. We're called to be compassionate. Compassion will open the door for you to speak truth into somebody's life. Jesus led full of grace and truth, but he led with grace first so that hearts would open to truth. Truth is important, but it's grace and truth. Let me just help you out this morning, church. Lead with grace first. Lead with compassion first. Be a good listener. Be a good learner. Listen to somebody's struggle. Listen to somebody's perspective. And if you're humble, you might discover that you actually don't know everything there is to know in the world. And you might grow, and you might learn, and God might be able to use you to be, to be a solution. And so often what happens is we discredit someone else's experience because it's not our experience. You know, somebody who thinks differently than us, somebody who votes differently than us, somebody who has different opinions than us. And here's the principle, and I think we all know it's true. The further I am from a situation, the simpler the solution seems. Isn't it true? The further I am from a situation, the simpler the solution seems. Because it hasn't impacted me, 
It's really easy to think that, that you know, to, to really understand this problem. And so somebody might say something like, well, I don't understand how people are still claiming there's racism in this country today. Didn't we elect a black president? I've never experienced racism before. Why can't we just all get along? All lives matter. Like, it's distance, right? Like, I'm not willing to get up close to it. Or somebody might say, I don't understand how you could be poor in this country. If you would just go to work, I've worked for everything I, I have. And see, it oversimplifies instead of getting up and finding out what's going on in that person's life that they're having an economic struggle right now. And so let me ask you this morning, church, what would it look like for us to be a church that actively seeks to have compassion? Come on, lean in for just a moment. I know it's hot this morning, but God, God has something for us. He, he has his heart for us today. Lean in today. What would it look like for us to be a people of, of compassion, people who are willing to enter into somebody else's brokenness, somebody else's struggle to help bring healing? Let me just tell you, the political climate that we're living in right now, it hardens hearts, but the gospel is meant to soften our hearts. And so we have to keep coming back to Jesus. We have to keep coming back to the heart of Father God. We have to keep coming back to our compassionate God who wants to put his compassionate heart on the inside of us. We need this, church. We need this. And so let me just be honest with you. You can't fix all the world's problems. I know that. It's overwhelming sometimes. You, you can't fix all of the world's problems. But guess what? If you'll begin to ask God, God, give me a compassion for people, he'll begin to put a compassion in your heart. And for some of you, he's going to put different things in your heart. He's going to put certain things in your heart. You might become more passionate about something that somebody else isn't passionate about. It, 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 it could be you might get passionate about the unborn. You might get passionate about racial justice. You might get passionate about human trafficking. You might get passionate about food insecurity. Let me just tell you, during COVID, when the pandemic first hit, there was a thousand problems in every direction. I knew I couldn't solve them all, but I'm like, Lord, if I, if I can do one thing, I'm going to feed people. We're going to help feed people. Pastor Dave came on, and we just jumped in, and we started making sure we got food out to people every week, and to this day, we're still doing like monthly food distribution. I couldn't solve it all, but the thing that God put on my heart was make sure we at least feed people. We can do that. I said, Lord, I'll draw a circle around that and get involved if that's what you want me to do. Come on, if you start praying about something, God's going to put something on your heart, and you can't solve everything, but what, what is it that makes you sad? What is it that makes you glad? What is it that makes you cry? That may be the very thing that God is calling you to get, to get compassionate about. All right, here's the third idea. Number three, justice was and is a primary concern of Jesus. Please put this in your notes. Please put this in your notes. This is not just an Old Testament thing. Justice was and is a primary concern of Jesus. This is not just an Old Testament thing. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a powerful and very convicting parable. It's called the parable of the sheep and the goats. Jesus says, when the Son of Man, which is a prophetic term, he says, when I return, I'm going to divide the people into the sheep and the goats, and I'm going to give you the shortcut, okay? You want to be one of the sheep. You don't want to be one of the goats. The sheep are the ones who are going into their blessing and reward. The goats are the ones who are going to the other place. I'm just saying, you want to make sure you end up in the sheep category, okay? And here's what Jesus says. As, as he divides them, basically he says, here's the criteria you met for those of you who are in the sheep category, who are entering into your reward. He says this, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Uh, when I had needs, you helped meet my needs. And I want you to look at the response of the righteous in Matthew 25, 37 through 40. You can go back and read the whole parable for yourself later on. Here's what he says, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, uh, when did, uh, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? 
the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Come on, Jesus says, when, when you cared for the poor, when you gave the hungry something to eat, when you gave the thirsty something to drink, when you clothed the naked, when you visited the oppressed, it was as if you were doing it for me. When you did it for them, it was just as if you were doing it for me, for myself. And so there's this tension in the history of the church, this tension between what should, we be, what should we be focused on, right? Like, did Jesus care about people's physical needs or did he just care about their spiritual needs? Should we just focus on saving souls or should we focus on meeting people's physical needs? Can I just help you? That is a false dichotomy because if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus cared about people as wholes. He cared about the whole thing, their soul, their body, their mind. What do we see Jesus doing? Oh, he preached the gospel. He embodied the gospel. He cared about people's souls. But we see Jesus opening the eyes of blind people. We see Jesus feeding 5,000 Hungry people, meeting a practical need. We see Jesus healing lepers, not only restoring their bodies, but restoring their social standing. Come on, we're not just saved as souls, we're saved as wholes. God cares about the whole thing. He cares about all of it. Jesus cares about every aspect of humanity, people who are made in his image. It's a false dichotomy that we have to choose between, between both. And so here's the idea. When, we, when people experience the love of Jesus through our deeds, it prepares them to hear the message of Jesus through our words. Come on, let me say that to you again. When, when people hear, when people, when people receive the message, when people see the gospel at work in our deeds, it prepares their, their heart to receive the words of the gospel. I'll give you one last quick story here to bring this home for you. When I was in Bible college, we had a couple ministry groups that would go out on a Friday night and do street witnessing. I don't know what you were doing on a Friday night when you were in college, but in Bible college, we were out witnessing, sharing Jesus with people, okay? So... We, uh, we were, I was in, in Dallas at the time, and so we would go to downtown Dallas, and, you know, I mean hardcore, just out talking to people about Jesus, praying with people, and I'm not sure everything we did back then was right, but we were learning about how to share Jesus with people. And I remember meeting this homeless guy one time at the, at the bus station in Dallas, got off the bus, didn't know where he was going, he was from Chicago, didn't have any money. And here I am, you know, Bible college boy from a good family. My dad's a pastor. I've got it all together. I'm going to give him Jesus. And so I'm sharing Jesus with him. I'm giving him my best spiel. I'm giving him all my Bible verses, really impressed that I'm putting my Bible college knowledge to work. And at one point in time, he stopped me and he said, I hear you, man. Thank you for sharing all that with me. He's like, but man, I'm just hungry. I'm just hungry, man. He's like, could you take me to get something to eat? And I took this guy and I bought him some tacos. You know, and then we just sat and talked like two human beings. Ended up praying for the guy. Let me just tell you, do you know that he blessed me more than I blessed him? Because he taught me something that day. He taught me something that day. Come on. It, it, it's, it's when you meet people's needs that you open their heart to the word of God. When people experience the love of Jesus through our deeds, it prepares them to hear the message of Jesus through our words. Because they're not hearing your words until you've met their needs. They're not hearing it until you've had compassion. They're not hearing it until you get dirty, until you get down in the mess with them. You get down into the struggle with them and you love them where they are. That's what opens their heart to receive the message of Jesus. It's your deeds. It's your, it's your actions. And so let me remind you that we said at the beginning of the message that the root cause of injustice is sin. 
it's brokenness between, it's human beings who are fallen, human beings who have a broken relationship with God and a broken relationship with each other. And so Jesus is always the solution. Come on, Jesus is the, the solution. Jesus came to break the power of sin. He lived a perfectly righteous life on your behalf. He lived a just life on your behalf. He embodied justice, and he calls us to be people of justice. The reason we can live this out is by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can tap into what Jesus has done for us. Come on, the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that's at work in you. And so God can work through us to be a people of justice. And so can we ask God today, God, would you give us courage? Come on. God, would you give us courage? Would you give us compassion to be willing to enter into somebody else's struggle, to be willing to enter into somebody else's brokenness, to be a people of compassion, to be a people of justice, not just the people who read about a just God in the Bible, but to embody this. That, that more than being worried about being right about everything, we're going to lead full of grace and then truth. We're going to be willing to listen. We're going to be humble. We're going to be compassionate. And like Jesus, we're going to enter into somebody else's need, somebody else's struggle, so God can use us to bring healing. Amen? Anybody want that today? Anybody with me or am I just preaching to myself? I'm preaching to myself if I'm not preaching to anybody else, but I hope you're with me this morning. Hey, why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And in just a moment, we have an opportunity to do something really, really special to put the message into practice. But just stand with me for a moment as we pray. Come on, would you just invite God to do a work in your heart today, collectively, personally, as a church, that God would do a work in our hearts. Come on, pray with me this morning. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you reveal yourself as a just God, as a righteous God, as a God who, who cares about the weak, who cares about the oppressed. You're, you're a God of compassion, and you introduce yourself to us as a father to the fatherless, as a defender of the weak, as a God of justice, God of compassion. And Lord, you want to put compassionate hearts on the inside of us. Lord, you don't want to just bless us, but you want your blessing to overflow from our lives to the world around us. So God, make us those kind of people. Come on, somebody pray that with me. Jesus, make me that kind of person. Put your compassionate heart on the inside of me. God, help me to be courageously compassionate. Come on, somebody needs to pray that today. God, help me to be courageously compassionate. To not just be somebody who knows about justice, but to be somebody who does justice, who embodies your love. Do it in my heart, I pray. Jesus, put your heart in me. In Jesus' name, would you say amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.